Calling all beans, y'all. Let's get it. On a what night is it? Thursday night, right, Debs? Yes, it is indeed. Yes, I'm your host, DJ, and we're here to have some reaction to the biggest news in history. Not a real big deal. Uh, we don't have the brotherhood of our brother, the co conspirator, in our quest for fun, entertaining, introspective, and cool UFO talk. Money Nathan, he was not able to join us this evening. Well, guess what? We did bring something, didn't we, Debs? We brought a little bit of extra something special. <laughs> yeah, that is right there. Uh, my co-host, one of the original gangsters of this joint, the host of Debs Data Dojo at a study of UAPs, is the centerpiece of this joint, Debs. So uh, <laughs> one love to you, girlfriend. So we weren't able to get Money Nathan. We weren't able to get Leah Primetime. Frank is probably sleeping right now. And Matt is uh, chasing a Bigfoot interview tonight as we speak. He had something going on. He had to record when he could get this person. Uh, but, you know, guess what? We got for you that our first special guest is the host of the Quantum Witch Cafe. This girl is learned, intelligent, UFO book club. She speaks at these events, intros people. So put your hands together for Priscilla, the quantum witch, baby. Yes. Still classic. Still classic. Can I, can You're I gonna get it, amen. <laughs> You're going to record my intro for my podcast and announce me yes. before every time I go on. <laughs> Anytime you want. Uh, Priscilla, um, so I called Priscilla this evening, Debs. And while she was excited to come on with us, there was an additional level of excitement when I mentioned the name of our of our next guest tonight, who's going to break it down, who does so much work on TikTok. Yes. Everybody loves him. And Priscilla's like, ooh, 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 damn. Okay, yeah. So a uh, party people put those hands together for my man. Hey, look over there. Dan Warren. Hey, what's up, guys? How's everybody doing tonight? Can I get an amen for Tennessee's own? <laughs> all right, I just want to check. Is my audio coming in all right? Can you guys hear yes. me? Yeah, you sound right. good, brother. Perfect. Welcome, thank man. You. Th thank you for coming in on short notice because uh, we didn't have all the cabbies. And I'm like, man, I hope we can get some of the brothers and sisters in here. And uh, you answered the call. So, so, uh, so, I, I so I've. I'm notorious because I've, I've labeled myself as the backup guest. Like that's my niche. Like usually when someone cancels, they'll call me oh, and that's when no. I get my moment. You were my, I, I want you that's were the absurd. first choice when I asked you. All right. When you came on my show, like a year ago or so, I was like watching your TikToks. I'm like, this guy needs to come on. So you Did were it, first choice that time. I, so not a backup. I also want to say, I, of all the interviews I've done, I do think that my interview with Priscilla might have been my favorite one because I got to speculate more than I did ever before on that one. That, that was fun. That was I an felt, interesting one. I felt definitely like that was like a treat because I know you don't do that. I know you're like facts, 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 and you're so good at it. 
And um, yeah, so we, we got you to speculate a little. I got news for you, Dan. Priscilla is a lot of people's favorites. So uh, you're in good company there. And um, yeah, man, we don't have you. You're saying uh, you're a backup guest. I've had you on round tables like a year and a half ago or two years ago. I'm, I'm moving up in the batting order, I'll say. But I, it's, I started out as the backup guest. I just, As far as I'm concerned, Dan, you would be in the backcourt right ne- next to LeBron. I would yank... Uh, uh, I would I would yank that point guard for the Lakers out. D-Lo. And you'd be right next to Bron. Yeah, D'Lo, man, exactly. Um, he didn't play that well in the playoffs, unfortunately. Um, so anyway, <laughs> all right. So let's get to it. Um, uh, people don't want to hear me talk. They came to hear you guys talk. So I, I was thinking, and I just want to ask you guys, uh, Priscilla, Dan, and Deb. Should we just go with like initial reactions? Just go around the table with that. Just how you, what you felt like when you heard this news. I, I feel like that's a good place to start, unless anyone disagrees. Let's do it. It works for me, and I'll say ladies first. On, on. okay, Debs. Okay, so I guess because of the history of the topic and being really knowledgeable about it, for me, it wasn't as shocking that someone came out to say that they we're aware of UFO programs and entities and crashes and all that because it's happened many, many times before. Um, and it's been happening, you know, since the 1800s at least. So for me, I guess I just had a, well, of course, kind of reaction to it, you know? So yeah, it's just, it, to me, it's, it's a domino getting ready to set off some more dominoes. Hope, yeah, that's what we're hoping, right? That'll give some aid and comfort to David Grush, right? When those when those other dominoes start to fall in the, in the form of people who were uh, either directly or tangentially involved with these programs, that they come forward and uh, with the IG make uh, the same assertions that he did, get cleared, and now we're now now he doesn't feel like he's sitting out there on an island. Uh, yeah, when you were talking about knowledgeable people, I thought you were going to say me. Uh, just kidding. Um, so anyway, Dan only has 30 minutes. So Dan, when you want that video played, we have it queued up. So just let me know and we'll go with that. Uh, okay. And then let's go with Priscilla. Priscilla, uh, tell us like wh- where you were, your reaction. I don't know if you were getting the kids ready. What, what, what happened? What did you feel like? Well, I was in Arizona for a wedding, a celebration. Um, and I, so I've been, either on a plane or with family that I hadn't seen since pre-COVID. So I was not looking at the internet. I think I was posting things here and there, but I wasn't really paying attention. Sunday, I did not pay attention to anything. Monday, I was visiting all the family I could because I had a red eye. And I finally get to the airport and I sit down. I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going on in UFO land. (laughs) And let me tell you, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I mean, it's like Deborah said, like it was a matter of time. But at the same time, it's just so it's not like surprised to see that it happened, but it's just so cool to see that it happened, especially with, you know, the protection of, you know, the NDA, mm-hmm. you know, the legislation. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Yep. It, yeah, I'm, I'll get to me, but let, let's go to Dan Warren. Dan, you know, where were you? What you know, when did you hear this? What was your reaction? Were you like driving to work with a big smile? Like what happened? Yeah, I think I had dropped my daughter off at volleyball practice in the morning and was heading into work and started catching whiffs of what was going on. And it's tip, I, I responded in the typical manner that I do when I get news related to UFOs is I assume it's nothing and hope that it's something. 
So as, and, and a lot of my reaction, I try to, I try to be reserved with it until I start seeing how other people are reacting to it as well, because there's a lot more people that are tuned in and are very, um, have a very niche body of knowledge, like Dean, Douglas Dean Johnson. Like that's somebody that I want to hear his reaction before I kind of lay my chips on the table. Like I want to get, I want to test the waters before I respond. But as the day progressed, my chest started getting tighter because I was like, this just seems like it's going one direction and it's getting more and more um, backed up by other people. There's more credentials being laid on the table. The, the big thing to me was the involvement of the lawyer for him, which is the former intelligence community inspector general who is representing him to the inspe current inspector general. As soon as I heard that, I was like, well, that is like a great battle to witness. If we could, if we could be in that courtroom or however <laughs> they have those discussions, like the guy that wrote the rules is representing the guy that is going up against the existing inspector general. So when I started figuring that out and putting those together, it really amped up my anxiety of, is this it? Is this coming? And then to find out that we were getting a few clips of a seven hour interview that who knows what's inside that interview that we're going to find out about on Sunday, it oh. just continued to, to amp me up. And so it, it is a great thing, but of course, like Deb says, Hey, this is, this is just, par for the course this kind of thing happens but it does in my opinion feel different this time around based on the preceding events such as people saying that the rumors of people saying that they told arrow these things and then they were upset when they heard kirkpatrick say that they got no evidence and so they it almost felt like it was a retaliate a re retaliation to kirkpatrick's lack of investigative skills, I call, I'll call it, or follow-up skills on the testimony that he received. I almost felt like they were insulted and this was the result of it. Interesting. That, that's an interesting context that I hadn't heard yet, Dan, that people were pissed off uh, after his, his briefing, which was in early to mid-April, I believe, uh, and, then, and then the subsequent briefing with uh, NASA, the part two. Uh, the, the lawyer you spoke of is uh, Charles McCullough III, senior partner of the Compass Rose Legal Group in D.C., the original IG of the uh, IC community. So um, I got that from this article. I'll link people to it with Jonathan Wolf. Uh, I shared it the other day. I think somebody shared it with me. It might have been Shannon Scott, uh, but someone shared it uh, in, in that it's a legal perspective on this case. So it was really, really interesting. Um, for my part, I talked to uh, our good friend from UFO Twitter, Richard Budd, around April 21st. Um, didn't know the name of this person, didn't know when it was going to happen, but he said that, you know, something, something's going to happen. Um, and I said, why? You know, why, why are people that are cleared going to do this? And he said, well, because they're pissed off, uh, because they've been mistreated or intimidated or uh, been treated in a way that's not doesn't comport with you know with our our values as a as a gov so so that's their impetus to want to do this so i was like oh okay um and that's all i knew and i had no idea that it was going to happen that monday i was just you know as surprised as anybody when it when monday morning i woke up and and this 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 uh this news came out and i felt really good 
Dan, because I'm, I always am thinking that everything is a nothing burger. I've thought every briefing that I've heard on this topic was a nothing burger um, so far from uh, the Pentagon. And uh, I see I did the British uh, intonation there. <laughs> and um, and uh, and so I expected, you know, nothing better. And then all of a sudden this happened and it was just absolutely, um, absolutely shocking that it that it did. It did happen. So um, I'm so gratified for the community. And now, um, you know, these are here's the point about it. And this this is, you know, what, what I want to say, just like initially. When there's something that's of a, a top secret nature uh, uh, that's in a sensitive compartmentalized information nature and, and it's in a sap, then you, we assume that, that there, everything about it, if you talk about it, it's damaging. And I'm not in, I, you know, I've, I've had that clearance, but although I'm not an expert in intel, I don't know how to disseminate intelligence. I'm not, I'm not you know, an analyst or, or, or any of that sort of thing. And what these people are saying, no, you can let people know, particularly legislators that are paying for it, that the program exists. The nature of the program, what they've derived and exploited and what they found and discovered uh, and what they have, you don't necessarily have to uh, give all that up because then obviously our enemy could will have that exact same information. But you can tell something, and that's what these intel professionals are telling us. So... Um, with that, let me, let me go back to Deb's again, Deb, uh, second round. So I wanted to say that in response to what Dan said, there is somewhat of a rumor that Kirkpatrick is linked to some of these people and is actually a believer in non-human intelligence. Um, and to be, you know, pretty frank, I believe Green Street started that rumor. Um, and <laughs> it's based, it's based off a picture of, um, a group of people who spoke to Brandon Fugel about Skinwalker Ranch. Um, and if that is the case, he may be aware that this was going to happen, like, or was aware that this is going to happen and um, may not have been completely sidelined, so to speak. Um, th that's a possibility. I can't rule it out. And I also think that it could also be the whole thing is about this lack of access that Arrow has um, and to really magnify that they can't even investigate this. They don't even have the power to investigate these things because it's, they're not at that level to be able to, they're do not it. read in. They're not read in to, to it. Right. So just to, in response to what you said, to what the response to what Dan said, um, Ross Coltart said, now this is just, I'm quoting Ross here that, that, uh, uh, Kirkpatrick most certainly knows. I don't know how Ross knows that, what he knows. And that and that even if they're not, and I believe that they're not read into those programs because that basically is what David Grush is telling you. We were not read into them, but those people came to me based on a lot of things that we don't know yet, things that are still being held by the IGIC. But what what we do know is that, uh, or or what we can suspect, I should say that, is perhaps Kirkpatrick knows for the same reason that Grush knew, because he's the director of the program, and perhaps people have approached him. But I can't, I can't say that that he definitely knows. But Ross Coltart does believe he knows. So I'll, let me chime in on Kirkpatrick real quick because I've heard similar things from Green Street. I think it was basically that they had an interview with um, Brandon Fugel, and he Kirkpatrick started the meeting by saying, "You don't have to convince us." 
or convince me of UFOs. I believe that they exist now. Prove now. Let's talk about this other thing. I think that was the overarching discussion that was had. But when you take someone out of a what you what your personal beliefs, your personal environment, and put them in a situation where you say, "Now I want you to prove this to me." I could sit here and it's a different story. I could sit here and say, I got a good jump shot. And then you could turn around and say, prove it to me, but I'm not going to give you a basketball. So when I look at Kirkpatrick, he doesn't have the information available to prove his belief with the available information at hand. So he's, in my opinion, taking the Jay Allen Hynek route where he is going with the information that he has and he can't use current data to prove his point but as time goes on if he if if the statements that we've heard about him are true he will eventually come around and begin to just like jay allen hynek become a believer and because he's been able to prove it to himself and he can turn around and prove it to you and i i think that's the trajectory that he's on i hope he lasts that long because i've also heard a lot of rumors about him not going to make the make it in that position for the last for the rest of the year so i don't know what his future holds but i think that i still i'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise i i really like that because there's only two data points here that we have we have that he said i don't i don't know i i don't have this information he said that i don't know of any extraterrestrial anything and the data point that david grush says that as when I was part of the UAPTF, we were not read into these programs. So we have that at face value. So anything that somebody says, if, if Ross, I mean, Ross may know things that we don't know and have spoken to people that we haven't spoken with, that, that maybe he, you know, knows more from unofficially the way that Russia, but we don't know that. So I, I have to agree with you, Dan. We can't really make any further assertion based on the data. We have those two data points. Priscilla. What I found interesting about um, in the article put out by the debrief, you know, it was the fact that Grush was sort of not well more concerned, maybe a little upset about the nesting of UAP programs within other departments. So it makes it really hard for people studying this now to get the clearance to find, even if you have the clearance, where do you look for this? That's very concerning. And it was also mentioned that, you know, well, if that's, if that's what they're doing, then it's illegal. Um, so that is another huge thing that was brought up in the article that was concerning to me as well, which we knew was the case, as we've heard before. Mm-hmm. But it just concerns me and other people that the nesting of these UAP programs might make it hard for us to find, like, a complete set of evidence. Do you know what I mean? Like, there might be something here, and then we find something here, and then the missing piece might not be found because of where it's hidden or kept. There's no question. Is Until you're... Until you are read into that program and you sign that piece of paper that talks about jail time and talks about fines and all these sorts of things, until you sign that, you can have the highest clearance that, you know, you can have a TSSCI with Poly, you can have one of those Department of Energy clearances, et cetera. It doesn't really matter. You don't have the need to know until you read into that program, which you go through a briefing, you sign that paper, now you're in. Now, when you leave service, you sign out of that program that you're not going to talk about that, just like I did, just like everybody did, Ramirez, et cetera. Um, then you you read out of that program and say that you won't talk about it. So you're right. You're right. They could be compartmented. But the good news, Priscilla, is that a number of these people have come forward to him. And if they see that he doesn't get railroaded somehow, 
um, maybe they're going to come forward. This is their their crash test dummy, right, Deb? <laughs> Which, by the way, was invented long after 1947. <laughs> I know. I remember those PSAs. Um, what does this tell us about uh, Roswell, Dan? Like, I mean, because he said this goes all the way back, you know, to the cold. I mean, he's dating it further back. I think it alludes to the video that you're going to have a show and, and we'll be ready to play that whenever you're ready. Uh, what is, does that, does this tell you anything about Roswell? Uh, nothing specifically about Roswell. Roswell has been mentioned at this point, but he has alluded to a decades long cold war to basically <clears throat> figure out the technology associated with UFOs that goes all, that goes back 90 years to 1933. And that's what I made this video about uh, that DJ's apparent and with Deb's help. I think she's the brains behind the operation is yeah. able to play. And I can't sit here and describe it well, but I did make a three minute video about it. So if you want to play it, that's sure. great. And it can just kind of give us some context behind the event that okay. um, that Grosh Grush is talking about right now. That's going to be hopefully um more information will come out about it in the seven hour interview that comes up later. Oh, I can't. I mean, Dan, I hope you have the popcorn done well before the eight o'clock hour. Um, but anyway, uh, I just do want to say hello to you before we play this. Hello to Julie in the chat. I see Delta's here. Chris is here. I saw Bob Marley uh, earlier. Right. I see Anon. Hello, Anon ET. Welcome back. And um, thank you, Julie, for doing this once again on short notice. Thank you, everybody. If you have questions, we'll we'll get to them after. I'm going to open the floor so any of these people can ask anyone a question and it doesn't look like I'm directing traffic. So let, let's go ahead and see if we can get this uh, video up and going for everyone. Here. While we're waiting, I'll clarify. I'm not a popcorn guy. I'm a spicy pork rind guy. So I'll have the bag ready. God bless you, Dan. We haven't even asked you your favorite potato chips. It's part of the cat poll, nor have we asked Priscilla. Well, so you asked while, me. While, while this, did I ask you? You asked me on a call one time. On that call recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll have to go over that again, but we're going to need to know your favorite potato chips, uh, seasoned or salted, et cetera. But uh, let's let's get this up there mm -hmm. and see if, see if we get this going here. Here we go. Okay. Uh, play it. Three, it's reported that fascists not only saw a UFO, but they actually recovered. 33, it's reported that fascists not only saw a UFO, but they actually recovered one. Oh yeah, you're going to want to hear this one. With UFO sightings dating back to 1931 when Mussolini was in power, and a flap of UFO sightings that occurred until 1940, which resulted in Mussolini himself setting up a secret commission to study the objects which led to the creation of what is known as the fascist ufo files april 11th 1933 a ufo crashes or lands near magenta in lombardy italy italian authorities swoop in and take possession of the craft 14 years before the roswell incident occurs mussolini is informed of what has occurred and he authorizes a thorough investigation of the object by an obscure wartime intelligence unit called the rs-33 they quickly move the object to a secure hangar on SIAI property. Upon initial investigation, they think the craft may be a French or German superweapon. But upon closer investigation, Senator Marconi, who is the president of the Royal Italian Academy of Sciences, a recipient of Italy's Nobel Prize, 
and their most famous scientist and inventor, came to believe that the craft was extraterrestrial in nature, from Mars specifically, and he began to refer to it as an unconventional flying vehicle. This information is available thanks to the work of Roberto Panati, because he has evidence of this occurring thanks to three telegrams, which had a professional forensic analysis performed on them and they were deemed original and authentic. One of these telegrams even states that Mussolini himself ordered absolute silence in regards to these craft. But as things went south for Italy during WW2, all their research and files on these crafts ended up in German hands. And on March 23, 1941, Mussolini made a speech where he stated, It's more likely that the United States will be invaded by unknown but warlike inhabitants from the planet Mars who will come down from the starry place on unimaginable flying fortresses than by the soldiers of the Axis. And shortly after that, in 1942, the Battle of Los Angeles occurred. So did Mussolini know something? But thankfully, in April of 1945, the boys of the 1st Armored Division captured the hangar that the 1933 Magenta UFO was rumored to be stored in, where it was promptly packed up and shipped back to the good old US of A. Whereabouts unknown. But the guy that used to lead the Pentagon's UFO investigation has heard a thing or two about this incident. Uh, but Roswell may not have been the first event. I mean, there's been some 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 reporting internationally as well that there have been some some crashed vehicles, and they were uh, they were obtained by local authorities, and uh, there was some some scientific study done on them. Uh, there is some documentation that has been validated uh, that was uh, that was from Mussolini himself. It's it's authentic. It's been proven to be authentic. The the documentation. And uh, after World War II, uh, allegedly, um, parts of that, that vehicle were, were brought to the United States. Man, can I get an Ready amen? Video, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, gotten, I've gotten better at volume control and adjustment <laughs> since I made that video. Sorry for people whose eardrums are hurting right now. No, your beard doesn't oh, look great. that bad either. Um, so <laughs> your favorite potato chips, Dan, before we go any further? Uh, you're not gonna like this Cheetos. I am gonna like that. Those are those are not potato chips though. Those are favorite chips. So if we just go with potato, but uh, I potato love Cheetos. chips. I mean, I'm not. You're gonna. You're not gonna like it. I, I'm gonna go with a corn chip and a Fritos. I, I don't <laughs> go potato chips potato very chip. often. It's just not okay. in my wheelhouse. Okay. You That's literally like all the things that my kids leave in the box. <laughs> I oh, just more them to you. <laughs> Now we know who's fun of Fritos too, right? Yeah, Poly Chip, like Dr. Kripal. <laughs> All right, so uh, Priscilla, potato chips, can you remind me, please? It was both. I like I like ridged, non-ridged. <laughs> Salted and seasoned, right? Yeah, I have to, like it has to be a mix. It can't just your, be. <laughs> your Poly Chip, Dr. Jeff Kripal. Poly Chip, that's right. I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, I just want to open the floor for anybody to ask anybody a question. Just uh, go ahead and talk amongst yourselves, as Linda Richmond might have said. Oh, well, I, I'm just excited that we're really paying attention to the history of crash retrievals. I cannot wait to talk more about that today because it's one of the things that really piqued my interest. And there is so much that is available already in government FOIAs waiting for people to look at. And um, I'm glad that people might actually be taking a serious look now. 
So, yeah. so this is this reminds me of a conversation I had on Twitter earlier today, where with Dave Grush stating this historical uh, start date for the UFO phenomenon, it's making what once was old new again. So it's like refreshing everything. Um, I, I've had a conversation with George Knapp offline where I was asking him questions about the history of Project Saucer, which was the first UFO uh, office, I'll call it, that was quickly renamed to uh, Project Grudge, I want to say. Um, I might be getting that name wrong, but he said, well, it's it's in this book by Edward Ruppel. No one looks at these old books anymore. There's so much history in these books that people just ignore. And that's what I'm, one of the things that I think is great about the current situation is people are going to be looking back now at the historical cases like Deb was saying, and it's going to reinvigorate those subjects, those crashes. That's That's going to be a fun ride. Something beautiful about this is that everybody is sort of uh, stimulated by a different aspect of this story, and you guys have just laid out yours, uh, and that's great, you know, because we don't really all we don't need to be all the same. I'm very stimulated by the fact that somebody who's in the know, who has seen documents, seen photos, seen videos, and while he has not seen the craft himself, he's come forward, and that's good enough for me. We have placed the public trust in this individual uh, up to and including, as you heard Ross say, this uh, has put this man has been there uh, putting together intel briefings for the president um, previously. Um, another person told me that that knows him that said that um, he was a wonder kid uh, when they needed to execute using technology, certain types of counterattacks and attacks, uh, he figured out how to do things that other people didn't, which is why um, uh, they used flag officers to vet this individual. So when if he says, I saw it, and and people, these are the, the folks that I spoke with, well, you know, the IG is going to be able to independently verify that, and obviously it's, it's quite credible. And we've never had, this has never happened in the history of our country. Uh, even Lou, you know, didn't, didn't have this information. So um, it's a moment, uh, this moment is, it's the beginning of the beginning. It's the beginning of the beginning, but it, it's, uh, that's what's so amazing about it to me. So Priscilla, anything? Go a, ahead, Dan. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm I was sorry. To, no, but that was a talking. <laughs> that was a Rochambeau. <laughs> I mean, just real quick, that you know, the article also talks about Jonathan Gray from NASIC. So, and he's saying the same stuff. You know, we're talking Wright Patterson, which how long have we all been like Wright Patterson, Wright Patterson? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and now this is just like surprising that it's being written and you know and talked about now, um, but also just like a we freaking knew it. You know what I mean? So it's kind yes. of refreshing to see like all these like connections coming out publicly. I, I said to my British friends, I'll get to you right now, Dan, and we remind me we have a starred question in the chat here. Uh, but I said to our British friends, I said, Bob Lazar going, how you like me now, brother? Huh? What? You know, that's what Bob Lazar saying. And guess what? Uh, Rick Doty said the exact same things <laughs> from back in the 80s when he was at Kirtland. So you have that. Uh, Dan, you, you were going to say something right before Priscilla. Uh... 
before I so rudely interrupted her. My, my yes. apologies, Priscilla. Yes. Um, yes. But I just want something that I found interesting about uh, David's testimony so far is that he's stating that the inf some of the information that he has received are from people that he's known his entire career. So those are his mentors that he went through the department with. And I mean, I've never worked with someone for 14 years. I think that was his career. Um, if I had worked with someone for 14 years, you establish a bond, you establish trust. And it wasn't until the very end of his career that they started telling him these things, that they started confiding in him when he became a member of the UAP task force. That to me is speaks volumes because there's a trust both directions. Those mentors of his don't want to mislead him. Those those mentors look at David as their legacy because the next generation is going to replace each and every one of us. So we have to make sure that we're taking care of them, that we're leading them in the right direction to be successful. So that to me kind of stood out as a man, if if my bosses told me, if the people that I've worked with all my career said things to me in confidence like that, I would believe them too. I would I would have a lot of confidence that they're not looking to mislead, that they're that they're being straightforward and honest with me. So I think that's a major aspect of this that goes unmentioned, unnoticed, and it's intangible. So I understand why, but I think it's interesting. I think what, what you've said, Dan, is it's basically it's not debunkable uh, be, based on all those factors, the flag officers that came out, the vetting that went on, fr first of all, from the IG before you know, this even got out there. Second of all, from the reporters, uh, uh, Ralph and uh, Blumenthal and Leslie, uh, also by Ross Coltart, also by the debrief. So you have, we have what, there's, you know, four layers. If you count uh, Leslie and Ralph as one, we have four layers uh, that, that everybody went through to vet who this person is. And and the person I spoke with, I said, did were you I, I'm not willing to go 100% though. I'm not asking you to go anywhere. I'm just saying it's not people that are debunking him and his motives. It's not debunkable from a standpoint that it, this has been gone over by a number of people that have vetted him. You can say anybody can say, I don't believe you until you show it to me. I don't care if somebody says that. I mean, that's just not what life is. People believe in God that have never physically seen him. So, I mean, it's just there's a lot of things we believe in. Uh, we believe that uh, Social Security is going to be there when we retire, but we don't know. So anyway, <laughs> all right. So Chris uh, M-S says, how can Congress access the, let me put this up there. So Chris, how can Congress access the goodies? So uh, we don't know that they, uh, Dan and Priscilla, Deb, correct me. Uh, we don't know that they haven't already received this information in closed session. Uh, and then you have the complete body of Congress. You have the folks that are on the intel committees and subcommittees that have a different level of clearance than everybody has. So that's a, a little bit of an ambiguous question. But here's from a FARS perspective, a federal uh, regulation, uh, acquisition regulation perspective. It, it's kind of like this. When you have a contract that they're funding, that they're paying, underneath that you have CLINs, C-L-I-N, contract line item numbers. And in that contract buried somewhere are these programs. The problem of what one of the many issues that David's pointing out is that Congress is funding these programs and they don't know it. They don't know that these programs exist. So this program could say, 
you know, I'm just going to throw out just something fictitious, but it could say Area 51 maintenance contract, you know, aircraft maintenance contract and or experimental aircraft maintenance contract and contract line item numbers underneath that. One of them may be paying for I'm just throwing this out there, a reverse engineering program. But Congress needs to know because they're paying for it. They're paying a big bill because they may have X number of contractors that are being paid to try to work on that that craft and figure it out. But they don't know that. <laughs> that's that's what that is, at least just one aspect of what he's pointing out. And essentially what they're saying is and I'm not, you know, the foremost uh, uh, person on government, you know, you know, we do have a friend who's a government lawyer, um, but uh, th that right there is is why it, what people think is illegal. They don't know what uh, what they're paying for. So I just um, wanted to say yes, that I've heard stories about about spending that inv involved like spending like five hundred dollars for a food item. Like so, there's some like room to kind of change what the budget looks like, and it is probably illegal um and that's definitely something that will probably be scrutinized at some point but the bigger thing about the congress aspect is you know senator Gillibrand, marco rubio those people who are all about this topic are not saying a word right now and people are right. like constantly saying well where are you why aren't you saying anything and they're just silent so that's pretty telling that they're I'm maybe perhaps afraid to reveal something. Uh, I was going to say, Chris, well, no, that was a good question, but go, go ahead. I'll, I'll, let me, let me double down on or respond to Chris real quick. I think when he says goodies, he means craft. That's what I think he's referring to specifically. Can yeah, Congress get access it. to the material? Um, so uh, for me, what I think, and it's, this is going to echo what you two, let me see how to do this. You two <laughs> are saying Just do is that, <laughs> The, the only way that Congress is going to be able to influence the DOD mechanism is through the power of the purse, just like you guys have both touched on. Until the Congress, the Appropriations Committee says, all right, look, we've got these questions that you're not giving us answers to. We're going to pull back a lot of funding until you tell us what they need to hold them hostage financially is what it boils down to. That's when the military industrial complex will have to go. All right, well, we got to keep this thing going. So we got to give them something. So here we go. Let's bring them in for a tour. Let's do something to get their hands on the goodies. That's what I think that they're going to have to do. Let me, let me speak to that real quick. This is not a matter of the military industrial complex. They do not have control of these items. Control of these items is being controlled by the U.S. government. The contractors, the military industrial contractors, are the ones who hire the contractors that analyze and try to reverse engineer and scientifically evaluate these materials. So it's not a question of the military industrial complex. It's a question of clearance. So whether or not there, and I also agree with Dan that they can hold the purse strings to get at least admitting what level that they can get cleared to. I mean, you're not, unless you get an OCA, an original classification authority to declassify that. And that could be the president, by the way, because as you guys know, he can declassify anything he wants. Um, or the person, the original, whoever that original classification authority is to, to downgrade that so the Congress could 
how much they can know. That could happen to a degree. But I don't think, I, in answer to his question, I don't think they're necessarily, they'll probably see photos of things. They'll probably see documentations of things. I don't think you'll be marching uh, congressmen and women through secret sites to look at it and touch it. Uh, and nor do I think that that's necessarily that necessary. But it is necessary that they know what it is they're spent. We are, just to make an example, we're reverse engineering craft. This is what the program is. This is what you're paying for. This is the, some documentation that describes it. That's reasonable without bringing them in there and showing, oh, this is what we've learned to make it do. Because now that person is now ran into, you know, th the highest programs we have, and they could be leaving office in 18 months from now. <laughs> so that's, see the balance? Yeah. Priscilla? Maybe they could just give them a ride instead of trying to explain how it, ha how it works. Right? That, would, that would answer all the questions for sure. <laughs> I mean, how much of this is going to be sort of like protected by national security, right? So how much of this is going to be legal as well? Like they want, they, even if they now like it's in this department, um, this is the name of the project. What if they're saying, well, you don't have the clearance and you know how long it takes to get some sorts of clearance. So what if, how long can this be drawn out by the people that don't want to see this public, even though they're doing something illegal, right? Like we know legal battles, not overnight. So I'm kind of worried a little bit that they're going to say this is do we can't share this with even Congress right now because they don't have the clearance. They don't have the need to know. And it's a matter of national security. Can I chime in on this a little bit? Yeah. Uh, okay. So I'm going to pull out some of the history <laughs> that I love to talk about. So um, in the nineties, the CIA um, was looking at a USSR and Chinese study of UAPs that back then was called UFOs. And it was a joint study that they did together. And they claimed that they had at least 10 objects retrieved. Hmm. That was the 90s. So if we're 30 years late being honest about the fact that we have these objects, um, you can bet our not so friendly companions on the world don't care and they're the cold war issue is kind of still at play so I, I i just personally think you know we need to just get over telling people the truth so that we can advance on this topic because we're kind of leaving it to other people to advance and potentially you know crack something um and i think well, that, you that's what you do bring up a good point because the reasons that they hey deb we may have to have you just le uh step out and come back because your audios we've missed uh part of the last minute that you've been speaking she so does bring up a good point for a minute it was strange okay hmm. go ahead whoever's up now whichever you deb or dan I'll chime, I'll follow up on Deb's comments. Um, she did say that the, basically the classification is restrictive to science. So maybe the, what needs to happen is they need to lower the classification of these programs so that more people can get involved with the research so that we can speed up our understanding and research of the craft or material or whatever it is. Um, it's so restricted that it's, stagnating is what it sounds like 
But hey, on that note, I'm about at my time limit. Okay, so buddy. I gotta thank you for your time and good to see everybody. And uh, uh, buckle up, Sunday's gonna be fun, guys. Oh, absolutely. Dan, thank you for joining us, brother. And let everybody else say goodbye. Go ahead, Debs. Thank you. I look forward to more videos. <laughs> I'm working on one tonight, yeah. so oh we'll God. see how it goes. Keep checking them out. You're doing a great job. Um, I love your work and. Uh, you're just so quick and so precise. So keep doing it. It's great. We admire you, Thank Dan. You. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Have a good night, guys. Peace. Okay. So this is what I was going to say to you guys. I was talking. I have a question. Whenever oh, yes, ma'am. No, when you're done, I have a question for you guys. So I, I was talking to uh, a Navy Navy SEAL friend of mine, and we were discussing the topic. And, you know, it, it's very sensitive, you know, when you have – national security stuff and what i said to him and what i've told other people is when they say to me you know what what do you think they should tell us and i said i don't know like i don't i don't have the knowledge to know what is sensitive and what's not what should be released those that is for guys like david grush and and his colleagues uh people in the national command authority people that are understand what makes certain intelligence dangerous and what makes other intelligence more like benign right so the answer uh, is i don't know what they should release obviously they should tell us something because that's what david grush and and the colleagues all the people we know you know persona knows john ramirez and and deb knows him and jim semivan and all these other people saying they have to tell the share something with the american people how much I don't know. We can't share everything. That's not happening. People that are waiting, going to wait to see uh, documents and photographs and videos. You may be waiting a long time, if ever. I don't know that that's going to happen. But the fact, if, at least if they'll admit that it's there and just give like an overview that's not going to be uh, sensitive to national security, I, I think we will have made it a long way. So go ahead, Priscilla. So we're all obviously wanting a big craft, right? I'm sure Congress wants a craft because that would just end a lot of this. Is it real? Is it not? And obviously we all want to ride in one. But <laughs> the, my big question is, why are we so hung up? I mean, other than that, like Gary Nolan pointed it out in the article by the debrief that you don't need an entire craft. Think about what silicon has done. A grain of silicon has done for our civilization. If it has something unique about it, then it's worth paying attention to. So I think that some people, like even though we're in love with the idea of this big, beautiful ship that we can all see and touch and be like, that's weird, looking for hieroglyphs or whatever you're looking for. I think that we need to realize that maybe some of the stuff that we're gonna see is going to be more awe-inspiring on a scientific level because it's, you know, it's radio signatures different or it's chemical compositions different or the isotopes are something we can't do here. So just keep in mind that the most compelling evidence isn't going to be always a mothership landing wherever you want it to land. So is that, is that where you're at? Like if you, yeah. it, you know, we had this question on cab the other day, so I'll just ask you, you know, um, if, if, if you had, you know, went to a base and you had two hangar doors and they said behind hangar door number a, you have biological beings. They're either alive or not alive behind door B you have a, fully intact craft that you can get a complete tour inside and out what would you choose or in your case maybe you have pieces of craft that you could behind door c uh you go in a lab and look at some isotope ratios that are anomalous what, what would you choose i think that i would have to go it's hard because if the being is gone then 
you know, then you cannot communicate with it. You can't, you can learn like some anatomy and physiology, but with the intact craft, you might be able to sort of make some parallels between this was a new technology that was developed seemingly out of nowhere in our life versus, you know, like a, something that we've seen develop slowly over time. Mm-hmm. And then with the pieces, you have to be like a molecular nerd or neurochemist or some right. sort of chemist. But I think that sometimes the pieces would be able to be analyzed more because you're not going to want to take apart a, a giant craft and, you know, study it. But right. um, so I think that if they were all available, probably the whole craft, because just seeing the technology and what it looks like on the inside. Um, oh, I don't know. I'm torn between that and the pieces, though, because they can be studied in different ways. So I don't know my final answer. That's a good question. You're like Vinny. Vinny said the craft uh, the other night when we had our little chat. Uh, but I, I would go with I would want to see the being. Uh, if they're obviously. alive, absolutely. But if they're gone, what can I learn? From, you know, oh, I, it man, would make just... me really sad too, right? To see these poor beings yeah. that just like maybe flying around like how we want to go to Mars, right? Like, and then they end up stuck here. Or I think Deb and I had a conversation about this earlier about people saying like, they must not be that in advance if they're crashing and leaving things behind for you, for us to study, you know? But then again, like, what if they didn't know? What if the, you can be advanced technologically and maybe have like a not so advanced mindset? Maybe their gift is technology and they just landed here and, and we're like, oh, atmosphere looks fine. They get out and something happens. I well, I have to say two, something I, about. I, I do too. I just want to re- real two, real quick, two things. Jacques Vallée's hypothesis is that they're being gifted to us and he's, kind of one of the godfathers of this topic or or some of them are being gifted to us. Rick Doty has said to us that uh, that one of their hypotheses is that uh, flying outside of the atmosphere and then inside the atmosphere with um, in weather where there's uh, um, basically convective thunderstorms may have brought something like the Roswell craft down in Corona is flying through in the atmosphere and then convective activity occurs. So I don't know, but that's out there. I'm sorry, Deb. Go ahead, ma'am. Yeah, I just get really upset when people assume that they are an advanced, like super advanced um, culture and all that just because they have nice cars, essentially. Like I compare it to the <laughs> to the Tesla, like just because Musk's company made the Tesla, does that make Musk a better person, more advanced? No, because he has the spaceship. Does that make him more advanced? Not really, like just having better technology just because you've probably been around a billion extra years doesn't mean that you're not a vulnerable being potentially in an environment that's hostile and and not just because we're people with guns, but also because the, you know, atmosphere might not be the best or the giant sun that we have that's still pretty vibrant is not great for them because obviously they have really big eyes for a reason, like you know, darkness. Um, I'm just saying, like, I just think people always make that mistake of thinking that their physical being is not invulnerable. So I just, I think they're very vulnerable if they come out of a craft. But what if it's also what we kind of touched on earlier when we had our, our, it's kind of funny because Deb called me, then you called me, but um, we kind of like, before she had to go, started to go down like an AI rabbit hole. Like, what if the being is not either in the craft it doesn't need it what if the craft is the being and it's its ai being or what if the beings with the big eyes 
only go only they take that car out sometimes you know <laughs> and sometimes they just let it go by itself and remote control it or you know tell it whatever you want to think so right. we also have to keep that in mind like we don't know enough and you know some advances in biotechnology might give us hints to that not that i could think any of the top of my head but there's some weird stuff happening in biotechnology with ai so we have to keep ai in the conversation at all times when we're talking about these beings, even if it is interdimensional or ultra terrestrial, what if that's yeah. how they control this thing? Maybe they can't cross the threshold, but somehow because they're artificial intelligence, they can control it from dimension A into dimension B, C, whatever. And I don't also want to be... say, I'm sorry, go ahead, Deb. I don't want to be mean to robots, but or computers, <laughs> but if you come out of your tank, you're probably still pretty vulnerable. <laughs> You know, like even if you're a robot. Hey, let me just let me just say good evening real quick to uh, Bigfoot influencers. Tim and Dana are in the house. Hello, friends. They're also in. in uh, actually, I don't think they're in Melbourne. They're in Delaware, but they're in your your neighboring state, I believe. Um, also, Deanna says that's a great metaphor, Deb. And Deb, I wanted to commiserate with you on that point. My irritation is slightly different, but but very tangential to what you said, which is that. When people say, oh, if we were to interact, we wouldn't even understand. We couldn't understand. And it's like, well, I, I disagree with that, that they're looking at us like we're ants and stuff because ants don't have the ability to perform microsurgery and, and make it to the moon and Mars and things that we've done. So I think we can understand a lot. I'm not saying that we're on an in, uh, intellect, intellectual parallel with, with some of these intelligences uh, or that we can create what they do. But I do think that we do have an incredible ability to listen, to see, and to understand, and to be able to comprehend beyond what our beyond what our technical, uh, scientific, and technological abilities are. So I, I too share that with you that people think that just because they're more advanced than us, we can't understand them. It's like you don't know that, <laughs> you know, you just don't know that. We can understand a lot. It doesn't mean we can do it. What they can do, clearly we can't make a craft that can do what they can do. There's a lot of things that uh, we've seen uh, that their craft can do that we're not even close to being able to do. But that doesn't mean we can't understand it or understand their, uh, uh, you know, their communications with us. So, um, man, what do we have? We've got about five minutes left. So let's get some, uh, let's get some parting shots starting with uh, Debs. Oh, I didn't get to do the history. I don't get oh, yeah. to do any history. Oh, sorry. Okay. Let me I, let me add it to the stream. Everybody, okay. Deb's been talk about this go back way longer than 1933. Go ahead, right, Deb. So, so this was in the Brooklyn Daily Eagle in 1865. It describes <laughs> um, this object flying through the sky, um, knocking over trees, and then all of a sudden like you at first think oh it's like an asteroid it's a meteorite it's something like that because he smells sulfur but then he's talking about there's hieroglyphs <laughs> and then at the end there's this whole speculation thing happening about who created humanity which um includes something about a superior race being involved which is really fascinating so i guess the point of this um, to me is that people are always assuming um, that this started with Roswell or maybe started in Italy, but this goes way, 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 way back in history. And 
um, for anyone interested, the Moon Dust program is in the DIA FOIAs under the UFO PDFs, and it talks about um, a group from the U.S. Air Force that would go retrieve objects that would fall, and it seems to have predated satellites, the creation of that group. Um, witness citizen Sean Rash has yep. found FOIAs that were based on events that happened within the United States with that group. And the DIA FOIAs cover other countries, which probably called us because we had NASA, where the U.S. Air Force would go out to retrieve objects that would fall from the sky. And I think it's pretty telling that those are in the UFO PDFs, but they were not just looking for satellites. So that's all. I just wanted I think, to talk about the history real quick. I, I, Deb, I think what you found here is an extraordinary. I mean, if you look at that timeline, that's like at the conclusion of the Civil War uh, or yeah. during the Civil cool. War right there. That That's like how long ago that they may have found right. things that we couldn't explain. And that is just... I mean, I didn't know, I, right. I, you know, I knew that Columbus, you know, what, what he had written in his, people say he wrote in his logs about candles going in the water. Mm -hmm. We've heard Roman shields, you know, the, the flaming shields and so forth. This is, this is pretty extraordinary. I've never heard this context. So thanks for bringing what you done brought. Right. And I so. think the, honestly, the UFOs in India, like they describe them in their wow, um, yeah. great detail and they're extraordinary and they go back thousands of years. Yep. And they defy and they meet like a lot of the five observables too. That was like my first video was the five observables and the ancient Vimana of India, because it was just like, I was reading about all the different things that they did and all the things they did, you know, how they appeared and how people described them in the text. And I was like, this is, you know, all about the five observables right here. So definitely look into those if you haven't already. Probably not this a coincidence. Sorry, go ahead, mm -hmm. DJ. Uh, no, it made me think of having one, uh, a gray in yoga class and like seeing <laughs> what they'd be like in down dog, you know, giant head, you know, dip towards the floor. That'd be interesting. But uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Like I think, yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence when you look at the spirituality in um, India that there's things where they're talking about levitation and they're talking about meditation experiences where they're reaching out to the sky and you know just really incredible depth of abilities of humanity and um psi abilities and i think that there's something there absolutely and how many if times there's... have we heard people talk about the relationship between consciousness telepathy and these craft or the occupants operating them or the not occupants in some cases maybe yeah, the, um, I'm trying to see if I can find this. There's a book on breathing of that guy that was on uh, with with Joe Rogan. I'm trying to see. Oh, James Nestor. James Nestor was on with uh, Joey Rogan, and he said that um, their yogis in India where they could, their breath work, uh, they could change the temperature of each finger. You know, so, you know, like Wim Hof is famous for being able to, he'd sit in a bath they, they took him into a lab where the, the temperature of the water was controlled to like 33 degrees or 34 degrees. I can't remember, but it was somewhere in the 30s. And he could raise, they, they had him swallow a pill so they could uh, see his core temperature. And he was able to, with his breathing, raise his core temperature 
uh, while sitting in this in this water in a lab in uh, the Netherlands. And they and then then uh, James Nestor said, well, they're <laughs> yogis that can they can say, well, I want this finger to be warmer than the other. So it's just incredible mind. And, 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 and this gets to what Anjali talks about all the time. And, you know, even John Ramirez talks about this is, you know, exoacademia. Our friend talks about this is uh, the meditation aspect of it. All the things they're doing at the Monroe Institute. Um, if you can connect and get inside yourself, you have a chance to connect with these beings on a level um, that, that the rest of us either aren't and you know and I'm sitting here with somebody who has been in contact with these beings in in, in Priscilla so uh, but you're not doing you're not using these methodologies though Priscilla to, um, to, I to, to do the Monroe stuff but you do okay um, unfortunate so I started my journey with my experiences and then it seems like the more research I do I've kind of not delved into trying to make contact because I'm kind of, if they are there, right, which we've, some of us have experienced that it's kind of frustrating that they're not being transparent with us. And it's kind of strange. So I don't desire to make contact. Deb's kind of, I talked to Deb about this, like on our long, it's kind of, you know, I've kind of put a little bit of a barrier up. So I don't know that I would even be able to do that, but I am familiar with Monroe's, you know, gateway process. I'm Mm -hmm. familiar with how it works. I've got a whole video written that I need to record, a whole podcast written about like the process and the physics involved. I'm just embarrassed and um, got to find time to do it right, you know, but I haven't done it in a long time. And, you know, it's because I don't know what we're dealing with anymore. It's not obvious to me anymore. The less I, more I research, the less I know and the less I trust. Um, Not all beings, but some of the ones that might not be as transparent as they should be. May, may I? Yeah. And that's a concern, you know, Nathan's had from the beginning, but may I ask you, Priscilla, when you've had contact, has it been unwanted or, or unexpected? Oh, it was there. unexpected. So you didn't try to yeah. no, gender it wasn't through that, you know, okay. I maybe had one or I've had a few experiences using meditation, mm-hmm. but, and those were good. But other than that, it's been a mix up of, you know, it being not in my control and don't come at me with the cosmic contracts and all that, because I've read about that too. This is, you know, I'm not the only one that's experienced something that they didn't want to experience and I'm not out there looking for it. And I, I think until we know more, you have to be very um, weary of just putting your consciousness out there. But I mean, I still do Monroe. I still do the meditations. I still don't, I still want to astral travel. I still want to do these things. But again, your parameters have to be very specific. And I find that when I set the parameters specifically, not a lot of them come around. So that makes me curious. But this would be like a whole nother fireside chat, right? It, it would be, yeah. And I, I was going to say, uh, Deb, are you, um, do you have a supposition is, because if I'm, in, Priscilla will correct me if I'm wrong, she had experiences long before she started doing Monroe Institute uh, protocols. Right. So, Deb, do you think that they've chosen Priscilla uh, for, a re- you know, do you think that that was a, uh, for, there was a reason why that they wanted to connect with her, you know, as opposed to me? I realize most humans would also want to connect with Priscilla over me, but I mean, these intelligences. Okay, well, Priscilla is awesome. So, of course, anyone would want to connect with Priscilla, first of all. 
I know that, but I'm. <laughs> no, but but the the truth is that I'm really interested in neuroanatomy. As I've said, like I got a little distracted by this whole you know whistleblower telling everyone that there's aliens thing. But you know, besides that, <laughs> biggest story besides, ever. But yeah, yeah, you know, um, so <laughs> slightly distracted, but um. Once I get back into it, I'm trying to kind of find the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, which kind of matches a lot of things. It includes the hemisync concept, which is both brains, uh, I'm sorry, both hemispheres kind of connecting and working together. I think it also kind of addresses the meditation aspect and it addresses a, the things Grant Cameron has said about like the other reality and DMT and all of it. Um, so and even like how I say, I think consciousness is material. So I hmm. believe if I have to break it down, that <laughs> some so combative. consciousness is material. You, no. es- you etherealists. <laughs> well, no. And actually I've looked into the history of the people who don't, by the way, there's, there was a movement <laughs> on that and it's a really interesting history, but I think I loved it. that when I study this stuff, it comes down to, to em and i think brain waves are part of the em spectrum and i think some people just have a greater antenna is a way to put it and i think priscilla you have one of those antennas like and it, it tracks things to you because they can reach you and right now you're saying nope you're i'm not open for business unreachable <laughs> <laughs> she has the do not disturb on her iphone and they can't reach her no yeah yeah enough um enjoying the uneventfulness at the moment. But yeah, you're right about the brainwaves. Um, in my research, the brainwaves hold the answer to all this um, ability to contact other places because there's a point in the brainwave or any wave function where you, te- you technically blip into eternity where there's no time and place and an hour here might be like three years there. We don't know. So that's kind of like what Hemisync lets you tap into without getting you, into another, you know, no, getting and just, <laughs> just real quickly before we close up the show here, but do you, do you have a theory on why they've contacted you on multiple occasions? No. Um, you know, the clo- the thing that kind of, I think that when I was on Max Moscovich's channel talking to him, mm-hmm. he was kind of like, what was going on at that time? And was there any kind of like emotional turmoil or um, dissonance in the household or anything like that? Uh, a lot of people seem to have contact or be contacted when that happens. And whether it's a good experience or a scary experience or less than favorable experience, you know, it tends to happen to people when they're sort of emotionally charged from what I've noticed and from when I talk to people um, and hearing other people's stories. And I think that that would be the only reason, like when you have a emotional trauma or any sort of trauma, it sort of blows out your energetic feelers. So your antenna gets bigger, essentially, or it's able to receive more. So I think that it might be as simple as that. Can I can I say also from a psychology yes, perspective, stress probably kicks in a whole bunch of stuff in our body to survive. And it's, you know, literally, you're going to have a wider perspective, or you will die, <laughs> you know, so right. like that, to me that that's right. right. So there's a, a key aspect I think there, um, 
And I'm still looking into all that too when I'm doing this neuroanatomy stuff. So all of my research is probably going to go to Priscilla because she's doing it and I want her to have everything I have. <laughs> That's awesome, man. We'll just have um, to have a, you know, we'll have research dates more often. Yeah, I was going to say, it reminds me of two research, two Bigfoot researchers that went to very rural Ohio. And one was a younger gentleman. One was a much older gentleman. And other researchers in the air said, you got to meet, you know, Kirk, you got to meet this guy. Uh, I can't remember his name was uh, uh, Bob or whatever. And they, they basically forced the two of them to come together because they had so much material. And now the uh, Yoda and Obi-Wan are sort of working uh, working together as uh, Yoda retires. Um, so Deanna here is saying uh, her experiences sound quite similar to yours. She oddly calls it uh, her antenna as well. Thank you, Deanna. Thank you, everybody uh, that came in to hang out with us tonight. We went nine minutes over just because I got so many questions for Deb and Priscilla. Uh, and, and it's just amazing. So uh, any, any uh, well, let's just go with the uh, goodbyes. Go ahead, uh, Debs. I'm, it's an exciting time. I'm so glad that we get to be here together to deal with what's going on. Um, I have to point out that one thing I would have liked to have mentioned was that everyone was always worried about mass hysteria. The world is doing fine right now. The world is dealing with normal everyday things. People are still paying their bills and going to work. Um, it's the UFO community that I'm worried about. So <laughs> I... I just want to remind everyone that Love is Blind season three of Brazil is now on Netflix. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and I recommend that some people who have some comments about um, Brazilians take a look at that because maybe they'll open their mind a little bit and stop making some of the comments they've made. <laughs> yeah, my wife's from Brazil, Holmes. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mr. Bigfoot yeah. will come after you if you don't. <laughs> yeah, um, and... I, I was going to say uh, also uh, I, I should share with Priscilla that uh, the the uh, show about motorcycle gangs on FX Mayan season five is out. Everybody watch. Oh my God. <laughs> Just kidding. MotoGP um, this weekend, all kinds of exciting things and NBA finals, I think, come back tomorrow night. Man, Priscilla, um, thank you, buddy. Do you have any, any parting shots? Yes. Thank you for having me. As always, it's fun to jump on I, hopefully getting back more into the swing of it and seeing everybody more. But um, don't forget to, you know, this is very exciting, but take some time to kind of deal with like your real life and real world events. We know Canada is going through horrible fires right now. So please oh, send God. your heart, your love, your prayers, whatever you do to them, because even if the fires are contained, there's still a lot of damage. And um, yeah, just, you know, this is very important and very exciting to us, but step aside a few times a day to kind of just be with your family and, you know, be away from the UFO thing. Cause you might come back with fresh eyes and, and see it even more and even more vibrantly that way. I, I couldn't agree more. It, it's important to have these distractions. I also respect what Deb has said. The, the world didn't explode. She's been saying this for a long time uh, that, that, that we should know. And, you know, uh, everybody's not going to go into a frenzy in fairness. I, I think it, you know, potentially could be a different story when it's uh, a major, major news story on all the networks and internationally as well. And uh, and if there is uh, that contact event that uh, David Grush, if, if you listen to some of the Ross Coltart footage that's already out in advance of Sunday, 
Um, David Rush does d- did say something that Deb has said on this show for a long period of time is part of his uh, mission is that people are prepared for a possible contact event. You guys have heard Deb say this on many cab shows. David Grush is also saying that, that maybe he, you know, has heard from whatever sources that he has that he thinks that there will be a, a contact event and that people should be prepared so that they don't freak out. So good on you, Debs. Uh, from my perspective, um, where we've gotten to at this point is a, is a, a place in, to, uh, in history that we've never been before. Uh, Lou, even if he knew this information tangentially, was not able to bring it out. Uh, but with the legislation, uh, first of all, Lou is still in a fight with the Pentagon right now over uh, harassment and his clearance and still has his lawyers speaking with them. I didn't know that until two days ago. And uh, but David was able to bring this information out. And this is an app. This is a moment in history right here. This is a moment in history that um, uh, I, I think someday will be written in history books is the day that uh, maybe the world learned about UFOs. Uh, a lot of countries have decided that they wanted the, U, uh, the U.S. to take the lead on this. Uh, I don't know why they've done that, but that's what they've done. And um, so the U.S. is. And uh, we have some courageous people that have come forward with information that we have never had confirmed from as high of a source as as it is right now. So, wow. And this is during the span of the two years in which I met Nathan. I met Debs. I met Priscilla and Vinny and all these different people in the UFO community and started a UFO show. This is in, you know, just about over that just a little over that 24 month span. So it's it's. You know, I didn't think we would see history this quickly. People like Debs perhaps did, um, but here we are. So, thank can you. I say, can I make one more comment about that? Yes, ma'am. Once upon a time, people didn't believe gorillas were a thing. They then discovered that gorillas were a thing because it was, you know, displayed to other people. However, it was distributed. Indigenous people let people know that gorillas were a thing prior to that, by the way. They should have listened. <laughs> they didn't. But mm-hmm. guess what? Now it's not a big deal that gorillas are a thing. We're going to get there with humanity, too. They're going to realize it's part of nature. They're going to overcome their shock. They're going to realize it's a thing. They're going to realize they should have listened to the indigenous people. And then we're going to be okay. Thank you, Debs, our resident uh, uh, psychologist. Um and uh, and also Bigfoot, the North American wood ape. I hope that doesn't come out uh, any anytime soon because I think they'll be in danger. But uh, that, that's a that's a real thing as well. Um, they don't have the advocacy. They don't have a David Grush uh, to come out and speak about that. And, and it's probably better for Bigfoot that they don't. So uh, on behalf of our friends, of Debs, of Priscilla, of Dan. This is DJ. And by the way, you see there, like, subscribe, all that stuff, just so that, you know, people actually want to pay attention and come on the show with us. We know we can get Priscilla, but who knows if Gary Nolan's going to come back. So, <laughs> but uh, by the way, next week, Dr. Diana Pasolka will be on with us. So tune in uh, for Dr. Pasolka. I believe it's Wednesday or Thursday. I'll check that. We'll be coming out with promo soon. But uh, we were going to talk to Dr. Pasolka about uh, uh, paranormal spirits and things like that. And boy, we have some bigger stuff to talk about. So That's for, be um, amazing. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm so excited that uh, she's going to come back and, and be able to kick it around. So thank you, uh, Priscilla, Debs, DJ, Cabs. As always, we say peace out, one love. We'll see you down the road. And you know, we're always wondering, wondering what's up around the bend. Oh.